Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. It's Tuesday, November 21st. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. St. Louis has seen countless attempts to increase affordable housing. Top employers are expanding a program to help workers buy a home close to the office. We have employees living in in many of these communities, and we're trying to think about how do we leverage ourselves to have a positive impact. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Lauren Brennecke will have more about the program. The Missouri Supreme Court has ended a lengthy legal fight over the descriptions of proposed ballot items legalizing abortion. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports on what's next for the efforts to repeal the state's abortion ban. The Missouri Supreme Court declined to take up an appeal from Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft that provided more favorable ballot summaries for six potential initiatives repealing the state's abortion ban. That clears key legal hurdles for proponents of the initiatives to gather signatures. Still, Mallory Schwarz of Abortion Action Missouri says the legal battle over the ballot summaries took up valuable time needed to obtain roughly 171,000 signatures. Any campaign is left to evaluate the damage and see what is possible to move forward on this timeline. Supporters of abortion rights have until next May to turn in signatures. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis has missed the deadline to begin taxing recreational marijuana sales. The city failed to file the necessary paperwork in time. St. Louis Public Radio's Lucretia Wembley reports. St. Louis city officials say they will begin collecting the tax in January now that they have notified the State Department of Revenue. The city had planned to start charging a 3% levy on recreational marijuana in October. Nick Dunn, a spokesman for Mayor Tashara Jones, says the city failed to notify state officials within 10 days after voters approved the sales tax in April. The mayor's office declined to give an estimate of the lost revenue, but Alderwoman Kara Spencer says the city might have lost an opportunity to collect half a million dollars in taxes. I'm Lucretia Wembley, St. Louis Public Radio. Parents and community members in North St. Louis want to stop the opening of a new charter school. They say some public schools will have to close if Believe St. Louis Academy opens. Communities One Project says the academy is trying to force its way into an area with enough schools. Gwendolyn Cogshell says when students leave public schools for charters, resources go with the children. What people don't understand when you close a school, and that's what happens when charters come in and schools get closed, it disrupts the community. Cogshell says for SLPS to keep children, schools must bring back enrichment courses and sports that have been cut over the years. Illinois' same-sex marriage bill was signed into law 10 years ago this week. As Alex Dagman reports, one of the measure's architects is glad the protections were enshrined a decade ago. Illinois' law was signed two years before the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the 14th Amendment protects same-sex marriage. Former Illinois House Majority Leader Greg Harris sponsored a measure every year from 2006 to 2013, even though people then suggested it should be handled nationally. Now, Harris is thankful Illinois stayed the course, given the high court's Dobb decision that overturned abortion protections. Should the Supreme Court act, I mean, people in within the boundaries of the state of Illinois are going to have some protection. Illinois' law officially took effect in June 2014. 
I'm Alex Degman. A Collinsville area public library district has voted to unanimously increase its property tax levy 8%. The tax levy is the dollar amount a district requests. Board President Jeannie Lomax initially supported a 5% increase. That move drew a passionate rebuke from some Metro East advocates who say their library was being defunded. Lomax denies the allegation. And it's got a lot of people riled up. And this is what we see out of it. And there was a lot of animosity here because of those kind of statements. And it's unfortunate. The Mississippi Valley Library District covers roughly 34,000 people in Collinsville and Fairmont City. The board vote is the latest in ongoing clashes over the public library system. Students at Sumner High School recently had an up-close lesson from the cast and crew of a musical based on one of the school's many famous alumni. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports, performers from Tina, the Tina Turner musical, met with teens in the school's Arts Pathways program. Dance captain Karen Birthright went through some moves from the show with dance students, while nearby, members of the school choir got tips on auditioning. The Tina Turner musical is on tour and now at the fabulous Fox Theater. Paris Lewis is one of the actors who alternates in the lead as Tina. Just being on these historic grounds, it's really, really cool just to witness it and kind of walk the halls that Tina Turner walked when she was known as Ann or Annie Bullock, and just to know that her early career was started here. Sumner added the Arts Pathways program in 2021 after school supporters persuaded the St. Louis School Board to backtrack on its plan to close the historic school. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. Two of St. Louis's largest employers have expanded a program that tries to help workers live near the office. As St. Louis Public Radio's Lauren Brennecke reports, those using the program are seeing its benefits. Chelsea Clayton bought her first home with the help of a program backed by her employer. So I've wanted to buy a home since I was a kid, but I always felt like, oh, there's so much you have to do to actually buy a home. You have to have this huge lump sum of money. And I'm like, I don't have that type of money. So it was always something I wanted to do. I just didn't think it'd be an option for me, to be honest. She bought this home four blocks north of the Del Mar Loop in the city's West End neighborhood. The program seeks to encourage home ownership and stabilize neighborhoods. It provides $12,500 in forgivable home loans to any benefits-eligible employee of Washington University or BJC. Lisa Weingarth is a senior advisor for St. Louis Initiatives at WashU. And it's a forgivable loan that after five years, if the individual still lives in the home and is an employee of WashU or BJC, um, it's 100% um, forgiven. So it really gives that person the opportunity to, you know, make that first significant investment in their new home. Weingarth says that the loan can be applied to any home within the program's boundaries. It now covers parts of North County, including Florissant, Ferguson, and North University City. With this expansion, a total of 14 neighborhoods are now included. Christopher Nolan is the director of Anchor Initiatives at BJC, and he says they're focused on employee and community aid. I think that the real benefit of this is that it's showing our commitment, getting into some neighborhoods and communities that have historic lack of access to capital. We have employees living in in many of these communities, and we're trying to think about how do we leverage ourselves to have a positive impact. Again, it's really looking beyond both of our four walls. 
WashU Medical Center's Redevelopment Corporation, which includes the Live Near Your Work program, has invested more than $60 million between the Central West End and Forest Park Southeast neighborhoods. That's generated $2.5 billion of public and private investments, according to university officials. The city supports the program, too, and not only because of neighborhood growth. Ninth Ward Alderman Michael Browning bought his home in Forest Park Southeast with the help of the program. He received the loan while working at Washington University in 2014, and he believes the program has made a significant impact in his neighborhood, the place where it started in 1997. It was a major benefit that allowed me and my wife to buy our first home and really find that stability that has allowed us to grow our life ever since. During his campaign, Browning knocked on doors to hear community concerns. Residents told him they wanted improvements in many issues that are dependent on local tax revenue. He says these residents are happy to see changes made as more move in. They noticed that as development happened around them, you know, streets would get improved or intersections would get uh, redone to have ADA compliance. This development isn't only seen within Browning's ward. Chelsea Clayton, too, sees the positive changes in our area. She's lived in her home for five years and sees the stability it provides within her family and in her neighborhood. There's been so much growth, and I think when you have hardworking people moving into a neighborhood close to the hospital, it doesn't do anything but increase the value, make things better, because you have people that care about where they live. Clayton says her home's been a blessing, and she's glad the program is expanding, but sometimes it takes more than a program to keep people in St. Louis. Clayton says some of her colleagues aren't interested in the program because they want to live in Illinois. I'm Lauren Brennecke, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Jonathan All edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.